Hello and welcome to a special Friday happy hour 55-1 pod. I am Westberdine. On the phone with me is well-educated media past Alex Schieferdecker. Hey man, how are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I did not have uh, the most productive day of work today, uh, mostly because I just I had the the draft on in the background, and then it increasingly sucked in my brain. And so, uh, to all yeah. my coworkers listening to this, uh, shh. Um, but uh, but you you just you took the day off because you were actually at MLS Super Draft in Philadelphia, so it came to you. Uh, why don't you just tell me about the event first before we talk about uh, Superdraft? It's fun, you know. It, it's in a, it was in the big ballroom at the Pennsylvania Convention Center. Um, there's a stage. It's got the lights, and the area in front of the stage is all kinds of all the tables for each of the teams, um, and they're pretty close together. And then uh, the players are all in a sort of a seating area. On one side of the stage, the media is all in the seating area on the other side of the stage. In the back of the hall are anyone who wants to come and spectate, so a lot of supporters. Um, and then behind the stage is a little area in which there is uh, uh, sort of a rope line for um, reporters and photo taking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and we should say that the the draft is just like tucked into this larger thing, which is the um, national uh, NSCA anyway, the Soccer Coaches of America or, or something um, conference. And so there's you know there's lots of like coaches conference uh, stuff going on. There was a lot of U.S. soccer presidential candidates giving talks. And that was um, yesterday. That was uh, that was kind of the big talk, you know. Kathy Carter talking about how she wants to uh, basically uh, <laughs> put all of the agents in charge of U.S. soccer or something. But um, and so there, there's a, a ton of things going on, including the the NWSL draft, we should say, um, which also happened on Thursday. And uh, and just tucked into it is this big whole separate media event that all the MLS people are in. Uh, all the technical staffs are, are in town for. And, and um, I'm sure that a lot of them, I don't know if you talk to the technical staff, if you talk to Manny or, or Adrian or any of them, but I'm sure a lot of them had uh, suitcases with them because they're usually off to somewhere else and, and they've got to get back and, and start uh, spring training on, on, uh, on the 22nd, so next week. Yeah, well, we're recording this just a few hours after the draft. Um, has ended, and uh, the team. I know that the team plane uh, is 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 leaving uh, in 14 minutes. So, <laughs> from exactly when we're recording this, yeah. it's just uh, they they were really hoping it wasn't going to go too long because uh, they needed to get back to the hotel and then take their stuff and then uh, head back to Minnesota. Yeah. Well, we are um this podcast we assume that next week by by Monday when we usually record there won't be too much news. Um uh so we figured do it fresh this way and this way I can try to go to see the Cactus Blossoms play at Turf Club on Monday night. So um we've got lots of Twitter questions, but first let's just uh go through this kind of crazy day because Minnesota came into the draft with the 5th and 28th pick. And was there another one, or was it just those the two? The 41st pick. And the 41st pick, right? So, um, and to remind ourselves, last year they had the first <clears throat> and two others, and they picked, you know, they had three others, because they, they took um, yeah. Abu Dhanladi, obviously, first 
and then a couple of names I had completely forgotten about. I forgot that they had picked up uh, Tanner Thompson. Um, he never made yeah. made the the squad. He was never signed. Um, Thomas, no, although he had a respect, he had a respectable year in the eleven afterwards. So. Yes, and it, I'm sorry, I did not mean that as a dismissive dismission of him. But um, Thomas Diviardi, who we did sign, and then uh, unfortunately for him, he was injured all season. And then um, you, you'll remember the goalkeeper's name, but he Alec Farrell. Alec Farrell. He also was injured, and uh, and, and still has not played. Has not you know may may never have a pro career. No, and and MLS. Uh, soccer.com had a great piece which was like last year's super draft picks you know where are they now and then you know it was some of the players had uh were still on their teams and some had signed for other teams and all kinds of stuff and then alec farrell was listed as a merrill lynch advisor in denver colorado well (laughs) and you're like oh my god you know we kind of blew that pick but uh, yeah he he turned out to he was it was known that he had an injury that had been sort of aggravated in the college cup final and then I guess it, it, it basically turned out that it seemed like his injury had been pretty horribly mismanaged in college because it turned out to be way worse than was expected. And so he never ended up signing with us, never ended up training with us. And, and uh, now I, just recently I saw on Twitter that he had gotten uh, surgery. So a whole another year, and I think he had had another surgery to correct this issue. Yeah, and we took um, uh, Tanner Thompson, 67th last year, um, uh, Alec Farrell, 23rd, actually, and then DVRD, he was late, too. I'm, I'm just, he was in the second round. 40, yeah, he was 42nd. Round. So, um, so uh, anyway, that, that's how we did last year. Coming into this, we had, uh, as you said, the 5th, the 28th, and 41st, 43rd, sorry. Yep. Okay. 41st. Um, and uh, fifth pick, I don't, uh, I don't know about you, but I was kind of running into this feeling uh, kind of excited. We've had absolute silence for so long uh, and nothing interesting going on. And that's been causing either just boredom and me to check out or um, just panic. Uh, and we've, t- you know, everyone who listens to this podcast knows the, the feelings over the last, uh, last uh, few months. <laughs> And and I was excited, like I was looking at that top five and thinking, if one of these guys drops, uh, if you know any of these seems who they're predicting would be fantastic. Some people were saying Atua Hene would come, and he's a very strong forward, or or one of these defenders like uh, um, uh, Hilliard Hilliard Arce or something. Um, but instead, we don't take the fifth pick, and I'll, I'll have you narrate uh, what what happened. Well, the, one of the first things I saw when I got into the convention center, I got in about an hour before the draft. Uh, you know, I was watching the. I had a good, I st- had a staked out sort of a good position watching the Minnesota table, and you have lots of people sort of coming up and saying hi and all that kind of stuff. But it was the one person who was very consistently visiting the Minnesota table was a guy from the Chicago table, and who you identified incredibly via a very grainy periscope as uh, Eddie Rock yes a, an agent and someone who's had a lot of well, um yeah he he was he was Manny Lagos's agent and so I I've known him for years because yeah. he's a Minnesotan uh and he now is I forget his official title I think it's the director of operations for Chicago so he he's um not quite Manny he's he's a bit more 
like Amos McGee Amos, for them. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I noticed him and was like, oh, okay, well, the, you know, this is, this is probably. Yeah. He was going back using, and forth. Yeah. Sorry, he was going back and forth between the Minnesota and the, and the Chicago tables. And so right away, it seemed like there might, there might be something up and, and, and that proved to be the case. Minnesota um, traded the, the fifth pick and, uh, and got in return for it from Chicago, um, $100,000 in TAM, targeted allocation money, $75,000 in general allocation money, or GAM, uh, and, uh, and their number 15 pick, and a player to be named later. And that's because they have to inform the player. So they knew who it was at the time, but they need to call the player and let them know and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, I, there were a lot of questions about the difference between GAM and TAM. I most of the time forget, but, but, uh, which one's more valuable? The answer tends to be if you ask, uh, people who are very well versed in it, GAM, teams tend to think GAM is much more valuable than TAM, uh, because of the, how, um, much more nimble it is. So, um, one, in fact, Paul Tenorio or, or someone said it, that people think, seem to think that, uh, it's more like two times as valuable than as TAM. So just, mm-hmm. there's that. So, so, I mean, so Minnesota shipped this trade and, and then they were now picking at number 15, um, with with that pick, and, and then the player that they ended up getting from Chicago was uh, goalkeeper Matt Lampson. Now he uh, started a, a bunch of games. He started the majority of the games for Chicago last year. Um, he he is not very much like Bobby Shuttleworth. He is not a top top tier MLS goalkeeper. He's not someone who you know gets U.S. national team mentions. Um, but he is he is one of those goalkeepers who you can get for an affordable amount of money who will do well for you. He's not going to be a complete tire fire in the back. And I think that he'll compete with Shuttleworth for the top spot. Um, right now, I mean, that's, that's Minnesota's third goalkeeper. And with Shuttleworth, Lampson, and Alex Cap, they're pretty set, I think, in, in that position. Yeah, and that's a good bit of business, I think, to get a team starter like that, basically as a freebie in, in, in a trade like this. Yeah, Lampson's an interesting guy. He he played a little bit last year um, uh, when when there was kind of a fight, but or not a fight, but um, he was pushing for the top spot with um, Sean Johnson, who then this year went to NYCFC, and this year Lampson had the top uh, spot. And Lampson uh, also is a cancer survivor. He's got a really interesting story um, uh, that you know, obviously, we'll hear about in the in coming months. Um, uh, but he uh, he is, I would put him on that B level of uh, goalkeepers. I don't think he's that much further behind Shuttleworth. Um, I, he obviously is a starter, starting quality at times. I think most teams. Uh, would view him as as kind of that second tier of goalkeepers, and to be honest, uh, and this is a conversation I have with a few other people's quite a, quite a lot about goalkeepers. To be honest, most of those second tier uh, goalkeepers are are interchangeable. Sometimes they can be really good, sometimes they can be really bad. Uh, you know, um, but he is for considering what we got uh, him for. He was extremely cheap, and I think that Chicago got absolutely fleeced on this deal. Um, particularly, well, they ended up picking. 
John Beccaro, who was the Mac Herman Trophy winner. Yeah. He was a player who really impressed at the combine. I mean, that was clearly a player who they really wanted. Right. And they were willing to go all out to get him. And, you know, I, I guess I think I agree. I think the price of I think Minnesota did really good business there. But I, I do kind of you got to credit a team for going out and getting a player that they want. That's true. And I think that plays into how I view Minnesota's next pick. Yeah, so then, then uh, you know, fifth when the fifth was traded, um, I thought it was at least a good deal. We didn't know what the player was, but I was a little bummed to just not see us get, you know, to, to basically, I, I then thought that we were going to get basically the rest of last year's draft, right? We we got Dunlady yeah. and he was a great pick, and then everything else was a, was a, a bust. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, now we're going to leave this thing with a 15th pick, which is still, which is decent. But, um, but instead what happened, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Well, yeah. So in, instead what happens was that the activity at the Minnesota table never really ceased. And when the seventh pick came around, just, just, a just like less than 10 minutes later, there was a lot of activity and the team was talking to a lot of folks and the whole, it just sort of, I hadn't been looking at the Minnesota table and then, my eyes sort of my, suddenly all of them stood up at once. Everyone at that table stood up basically at the same time. And I went straight to it. And the, the Montreal table was directly next to them. And they all sort of turned around and a couple of them went and leaned over at the Montreal table. And then Adam Braz and Manny Lagos had a very firm handshake. And like that, it was like, okay, well, they just, they just got the seventh pick from Montreal. Braz, Braz is the one who brings it to us. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So and and so um, and then with the seventh pick, they picked Mason Toy, and and that was a player who. So he's a forward, and I, I hadn't written about him before the um, before the draft because I I did not expect them to draft a forward, but if you think it, it does make sense, it really does make sense because. You know, we have two very good forwards, but you do probably want someone else. And Toy is 19. He was the youngest player at the Combine. He might have been the youngest player in available in the draft. I'm not sure. Certainly the youngest of, of all the big picks. Um, he is big. He's 6'3". He's a, he's a big guy. And he, everyone seems to agree that he has a lot of talent. He's not there yet. I don't think anyone thinks he's there yet. But, but he he's generation when, Adidas, you know, so he won't count toward yeah. the cap. Um, from Indiana or went to University of Indiana. Um, if people want to go to americansocceranalysis.com, they had a really good write up of of all the people in the combine, um, and they're they're just a great resource. And and they kind of uh, um, they I'll go to this description. Uh, Toy has many of the attributes required in a modern attacker, including size, speed dribbling ability, making him one of the top prospects in the draft. Um, he scored uh, 10 goals and two assists in 25 games in his freshman year. And uh, yeah, and he's only 19. So, I, but maybe maybe speak to like, we already have two two strikers, including uh, including another young prospect by the name of Abu Dinladi. So maybe explain why this makes sense. Well, I think that, you know, I think that a part of it is the fact that we call Abu Dunlady young. He's, he is young. But Mason Toy is younger. You know, <laughs> he is 
19. Boudin Lati is 22. Um, and so there's a difference between them. And one is, is much more um, along in his development than the other. And I think that Minnesota saw an opportunity to get, uh, you know, another striker. I mean, Adrian, he'd love strikers, but get another, the most, you know, the most talented number nine in the draft, most highest upside number nine in the draft, second straight year in a row that we've done that. Uh, And I can't really fault them for it, especially given, you know, how else the rest of the day went and and the picks that they were able to add afterwards. It, it, It was really a, uh, and, and I think it like a no downside pick. You know? Yeah, and and also you, you know I, I guess there's there's thoughts about like Brandon Allen last year. We brought him in and he only got ten minutes. I don't know what Brandon shows in. Maybe they brought him in, saw him in training, and we're like okay, he doesn't he he doesn't work out. Um, but we, there were a lot of players last year who got time. Who like think about Ishjom? Uh, Ishjom was not the finished deal. It turns out they, you know, they ended up thinking they there wasn't a high enough ceiling on him, so they let him go. There are players like that who in our team who get time uh, because we don't have a very deep team, and I think that if uh, if Christian or Abu gets injured, then you certainly need a third forward there. Um, and so it does make sense. Uh, it was a little like, okay, this is your this is your big one. Um, uh, I wished that they would have. I was really looking forward to one of these uh, young starting center backs, but that's where we can go to the next one, which was the fifteenth pick, which I think also was a big surprise to to us. Well, I think that the, with the fifteenth pick, Minnesota, this was the pick they got from Chicago, and they picked Wyatt Omsberg, uh, a defender out of the Dartmouth College, um, and uh, he's interesting for a couple reasons. First of all, he's from Maine. Um, which I love. Um, but what I think is he was a player who there was a lot of talk about him before the combine because he had been, you know, he had come out of a small school and he had always coming from Maine and then, and then coming from Dartmouth been sort of a big fish in a small pond. And so there was a lot of question about how he would perform uh, at the combine, how he would look. And he really helped his stock, maybe more than, than anyone else at the combine. He is, I think he's six foot four. He's a tall dude. And he was in the top five in the performance testing they do, which is like the, uh, they do like a 30 meter dash and they do um, a five ten five, which, you know, five meters, one way back, five ten, one way back, five, one way back. And they time those, that kind of stuff. And he was in the top five of all the prospects in the draft in those. For a six foot four guy, that's really remarkable. I mean, to have not only speed, but agility. Yeah. And in the games that he played, he, he caught the eye as well. He was very, he played smart. You know, he, he, when he went up for a tackle, he won it. But I also know, I watched him a lot just when other people on his team were sort of dealing with things. And I always thought his positioning was very good. He never, he never seemed to allow big holes. Um, and he always seemed to be sort of exactly where he needed to be in defense. And, and, I, and, and clearly he impressed a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. thought he might go in the top 10. I know uh, Matt Doyle, uh, the armchair analyst of MLS soccer, 
had him as the number four pick. Um, I think that top drawer soccer had him in the top 10 prospects in the draft. He was in the top 10 of their big board. So for Minnesota to get him at the number 15 pick is a real coup, I think. And, uh, does, he is kind of described, I don't know if he's left foot or right foot. Um, uh, someone did, uh, I think, um, I was talking to Bruce McGuire about it and he had heard he was left footed, but, um, I've not seen that verified. He is. Um, and so, yes. which would put him, you know, in the, the Calvo spot. Um, but, uh, he's also described as, as a kind of, in that kind of Brent Coleman mold, right? He is the kind of bigger guy who will, uh, he's not particularly good with his feet on the ball and distributing, but who is, uh, who's there to kind of, uh, take, uh, take the big forward out of the game. And so, which would make him uh, a good you know, we we have kind of three of those guys now. With I think Boxall, Coleman, and and now Olmsberg play that kind of role. We we it would be nice to see some more ball playing uh, center backs like Calvo, especially if we think you know Calvo might be sold after the World Cup. But um, but this is a really good signing for fifteenth. I mean he he's um he's someone who I think. Uh, we will see this year. I don't. I, I'm not expecting him to come in and start, but um, assuming that he's up to it uh, to a certain degree, uh, he's going to get a chance because of we saw how how much we go through center backs, and we are going to lose Calvo for a while, and uh, there will be injuries, and, and so uh, it'll be interesting to to see if you know this this uh, first uh, this rookie can uh, can come out there and and actually step up to MLS. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, and let me correct myself. I'll say that he was number twelve on Top Door Soccer's uh, big board. And, and you know, I think that you said it last week that the, that the some people, you know, everyone has a mock draft, but some people know what they're talking about more than others. And Top Door Soccer are one of those people. They watch college soccer. They follow it closely. So I, I you know, you have to be really happy with a pick like that. So uh, the next one, uh, after that, we weren't supposed to have a pick until 28. And then the 23rd, the last pick of the first round, this was an interesting one to me. I'm not sure it quite makes sense to me, but um, Toronto had the 23rd pick and we traded, uh, let's see, we traded the 28th pick. So they got our pick and um, uh, 50,000 of uh, GAM. uh, And so uh, this, well, is it Tam? Okay. Anyway, Wikipedia says yeah. Gam, but uh, Wikipedia was just updated like everything else. So, um, I think it was Tam. But one I of them. Fifty of uh, one of the AMs, and um, I'm, I mean, we were picking five later, so I'm not sure why people. Maybe they had a tip off that one of the this guy was going to go, but um, uh, they picked up uh, Carter Manley, who is uh, he and Olmsberg are, are two of the players that you wrote in your preview piece that the team should go after. And so, um, uh, just a word to Manny Lagos that um, he can support our patron uh, account and uh, <laughs> and support this podcast uh, and support all the scouting work that we're doing for him. Uh, but t- <laughs> tell me about Carter Manley and, and this pick. Well, I I do kind of agree with you that I think that the price to move up did seem a little bit steep. But that said, this was clearly another player that they really wanted. Um, you know, when he when he got off the stage after giving his remarks, um, he you know all the all the coaching staff was there to greet him, and they all 
I mean, there were some real loud high fives and, uh, and, and, and sort of hugging and that kind of stuff with this guy. And, and, you know, he was, I did not know this, this should have been a big tip off, but he trained with Minnesota for a week last summer. Um, you know, after I talked to Adrian Heath and he said, you know, a lot of people come in, uh, to these, to the training opportunities with these big teams and are really overwhelmed. But, you know, Manley came in and he didn't talk a lot. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't announce his presence very loudly uh, with, with his mouth or anything, but he did on the field. He did everything that they asked of him and he held his own against very good attackers, you know, Abu Dhanladis and Christian Ramirez's. And that's something I saw at the combine too. I mean, I, I had not remembered this guy's name. Um, I know Meg Ryan looked back at her archives and found that the Star Tribune, she found that she had reported on him trialing with the team. Um, I hadn't remembered his name. Uh, I, I hadn't picked his name out from a lot of the combine previews, but he, he absolutely stood out um, watching the combine because he got put up again. He was the defender of players I was watching. I was watching Chris Mueller and he, uh, Carter Manley was defending him. I was watching Emma Tumwasi and Carter Manley was defending him. And both Mueller and Tumwasi had their worst games of the combine when they were being defended by Carter Manley as a, as a right back. And so he immediately, you know, I thought, wow, this, here are these guys who are well, really highly rated, and this right back is shutting them down. Hmm. Um, I'm glad that Minnesota got him. I'm excited about him. Um, you know, he, and he, and he's, he, a, yeah. he, he's also played as a center back in college, and but everyone seems to think that he's a right back. So that, that does make us have three right backs right now, though. Well, I asked him about it, and he said that he, when he was a center back, he was the right center back of a three-man back line. Okay. So I, I think that the projection of him as a right back is pretty correct. Okay. So Jerome Tiasson can play left or right back. Right. And we do um, need a left back. So maybe this does mean that Tiasson is going to be a left back this season uh, yeah. regularly. And, you know, I, this is Carter Manley. I, I just, I don't, I think, I think there, there is a real opportunity that he plays for us. In fact, of all of the players that we picked, I think that he's maybe the most likely to be, a regular starter by the end of the season, hmm. simply because the combined age of Minnesota's, you know, the other three center or the other three fullbacks that we have is ninety-seven, <laughs> and it'll be ninety-eight at the start of the season. These are some old, old guys. Tyrone Mears is going to be thirty-five. Uh, I mean, so yeah, you know, the, the, someone's going to break down, and and we saw it with Ish Jome. Uh, we saw we saw Kevin Venegas get a run. You know, I th- I think, yeah, I think that there's going to be an opportunity unless the team signs a, a, another fullback. I think that there is going to be an opportunity for this guy to get on the field. And I liked what I saw at the combine. I think he seems to be a pretty solid defender. He's big. He can be physical. I think that he, I think that we'll see something of this guy. Well, um, and then that that brings us to the the last one. Um, which is uh, the 40 first, first pick, and that was Xavier <laughs> Gomez uh, from Omaha. Um, I, I'm surprised we didn't take a Creighton guy, but I guess we did have to take someone from no- Nebraska and who played with the Des Moines Menace. It's just uh, 
it's contractually in in uh, Manny Lagos. I don't know, but um, yeah. I, I don't know. Honestly, don't know much about him. He's a forward. I don't. I, I no, don't... he's a he's a he's a midfielder. Okay. Well, Wikipedia is obviously very wrong. Um, so Wikipedia is very wrong. Yeah. I I he is a he is a um for for UNO he played as a box to box midfielder. I suspect that he will be. He will. He will. This will be an audition for him to be a number six, a defensive midfielder in MLS. Um, I don't know if he'll be signed, but this is again one of those picks that even if I don't know a lot about him, I at least have faith that Minnesota, that the front office, its front office, pardon me, is not shooting in the dark. Right. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota has probably played UNL in preseason. For the last four years, right. So this guy, I don't know how long he's been playing for UNO, but we have, you know, we have probably seen him. Uh, Minnesota, I should say, has probably seen yeah. him play multiple times in scrimmages. So, um, and so if he stood out in that kind of setting, yeah, I think that that's something else to be optimistic about. So. Um... We, uh, I believe, before coming in today, if we subtracted Demidov and uh, Venegas uh, as not being on, who uh, they won't be on the roster come spring, we were at 22 players, I believe. Um, this puts us at uh, 27 players. Um, now, likely, uh, um, I think one of these guys will not be signed. Probably, I don't mean to. I hope maybe he proves me wrong, but um, Xavier Gomez uh, maybe maybe not on, on the roster eventually, or maybe he's loaned out. Um, and so that that's about twenty six. So that does we are getting close to being a full team. Um, obviously, there's there may be some moving parts going out, um, but you know, on paper at least, we're getting close to a full team. Uh, does this, does today satisfy many of those needs that you and I have been talking about? Uh, aside from the number 10, let's not even talk about the number 10. It's, <laughs> it's just going to make us cry. Well, I think that when you look at Minnesota's big needs coming into the off season, you know, we needed obviously another goal, another, you know, a backup, maybe starter goalkeeper. Boom. We have that from today. We needed some depth in the center back position. We have that. Uh, we have that at least at least via Olmsberg, a pretty highly regarded talent. We needed someone to back up Sam Cronin. We may have that in Gomez. We may not. I don't know. We needed more fullbacks. We still probably need more fullbacks. Well, we have that in, in Carter Manley. So I think that in this draft, it it does it it. it checks a lot of those boxes you know but i i I think that the real issue is that i think that the i think that the draft is super exciting i'm excited about these players but have minnesota gotten better who have we signed this offseason who is a starter next year Yeah, none nobody yeah yeah none not a single person we started this year and we signed this offseason is a yeah. replacement is better than someone who was starting at the yeah. at the end of last year. And you know, there's been talk uh, this last week about last week and a half that Lee Wynn wants out of uh, New England Revolution. Fred, Brad Friedel says that he's not going anywhere. 
Um, I, I have no idea if he's being. Uh, I, I'm sure he's being considered by Minnesota. I'm, I'm. I can guarantee that he's being considered by Minnesota. Whether or not he'd come here, uh, whether or not it's it's doable, uh, I, I don't know. But I know that there's a lot of people um, out there, uh, myself included, who. If you told me Benny, Sasha, or Lee Wynn, Lee Wynn probably is the best bet because he's the youngest of the group. Uh, those other two, Benny and Sasha, were on uh, their last year of contract, so you, you would probably only get those guys for one year. I think uh, Lee Wynn's a great uh, guy to go after. Um, who knows if it'll happen, but I do think the team... Uh, you know, coming, we, we all should say that coming into this today, you know, this week, uh, I think yesterday, Andy Greater, um, uh, Greeter, sorry, dang it, every time, uh, he wrote an article that, that honestly felt to me like uh, watching a snuff film. It was talking to the team, and it was just basically uh, the quotes from Adrian were like, we've tried to get some guys, you, people shouldn't worry because we've tried to get some guys, but we haven't been able to get them. And it was like, <laughs> no, that's making me worry. <laughs> It's, I actually, would, I actually would kind of feel better if you weren't trying. If you were like, "Oh shit, we need to sign some guys. Let's go do that now." Um, I mean, ugh, it just—I was just, ugh, just hurts. Um, but I do think that if they could make one really good, even just like a really good MLS signing, not like a great international signing, uh, but a really good MLS signing, I would feel like. I would calm down a bit, right? If they if they put a solid yeah. number ten in there, or um, <clears throat> I would say a really good central midfield marshal in there, um, I would feel more calm um, uh, because we do have a decent team. The bones are okay. Uh, it's not a very good team. Sometimes it's not even a good team, but it's decent. And I think that they can make some incremental changes this year and still have fans not freak out. But um, as good as today was, as this draft was, there's still reason to panic. Uh, I mean, see the preseason. You know, the, the the acquisition is not done, so we don't have to we don't have to evaluate it as if it's all done. But there is there's legit reason to be like, Ooh, are we going to be any good? Are we going to be worse than everyone else? Because all these other teams are better. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I mean, last year I was. I think that there's still a little bit of something that people are like, Minnesota is like the worst team ever. You know, I think that, I think that people still have that impression, but the fact is that there were other teams in MLS that have been around a lot longer that finished below us last year and looked worse than us last year. Yeah. I think that, I think that Minnesota, I have always sort of been of the belief that that Minnesota's starting group is fine. It's like I think I think I think they're better than Philly. Um Philly who got David Acom today though. Yeah, well I haven't I haven't really had time to adjust that. But I think yeah. they're better than DC. I but think they're better than Philly. Both of those are Eastern Conference than though. a lot of teams. You know, yeah. not maybe they're not in the top half. But I think that when you look at players like Molino and Finley those are very good players. Sam Cronin is a good player. Well, Francisco Calvo, I, I think that our center backs yeah. have never been the problem. I've always blamed our midfield. I think yeah. that Calvo and Coleman are, are good players. You know, I think that up top we have strikers that any team in the league would want. Uh, so yeah. today we added a bunch of young 
prospects and depth behind yeah. that, which I find very exciting. I and mean, that's kind of that's really what you want to do on a draft day, right? And we what said we missing, said at the end end of last year. Sorry to interrupt, but we said at the end of last season, like what what we were missing then was. Um, a, a narrative, right? I, we can lose and we can not make the playoffs, but are, is there something building forward? And we had no young players we're bringing through other than Sam Nicholson, yeah. right? I mean, so now at least, like, I can feel better, right? If we've got Abu Dinladi, Nicholson, and then also these other young guys who, you know, hopefully are, will progress in a positive way, that's a, you can stomach being mediocre for a bit that way, right? There are ways to yeah. make us free, not freak out about having no DP, or even no special well, gam tam player, and that's what I was sort of building towards is basically that uh, I don't think Minnesota are that bad, and I do like what they did today. The thing that they're missing, and we'll just say it endlessly, is that one or two really game-breaking players. Yeah, everyone else in the league, especially all the successful teams, have. Those players, yeah. that Giovinco, that Piatti, that Valeri, yeah. that you know Federico Iwain, well, Justin Miram, and we that have Barco, that yeah. you know that that Almiron. I mean, these the, the top teams in the league have players like that. Even bad teams and like I, New, New England Revolution have have players like that, right? I mean, right. And I think well, that Christian is a, a special player, but he's not he cannot take a team on his back. He that's just not his role, yeah. right? I mean, he mm-hmm. disappears for games at a time. Uh and and so you need someone, you're right. I mean, you need Molino to be the second best playmaker. Uh, we talked uh, we talked extensively about Molino a couple weeks ago. Um, I think Molino has a very big role to play on this team, but I would love it if he is uh, not the main playmaker there. So Minnesota's like one for one through like Minnesota players like one through fifteen are as good as a, a top teams like four through nineteen. You know, we're just missing those one, yeah. two, three guys who are really can be game-changing guys. Yeah. And so as much as I love this draft, so on and so forth, that's the one thing that we were really hoping we were going to see from Minnesota this offseason. And that's the thing that it seems increasingly less likely that we're going to get. Yeah, I should also say, you know, coming into with that Andrew Greeter article, I had also, like, spoken to some people um, uh, who were at the Combine and the the things they they start to hear um and you know get it get a message uh, from someone where it was just like just so you know the types of things i'm hearing don't get your hopes up and i was i was like yeah i didn't really have my hopes up but i was hoping that someone <laughs> i you know some part of me was be- believing that uh that i would be surprised or something that that there was some magic trick i i just was not uh, aware of um i, d- I do want to hit some twitter questions uh cuz we can't go on too long you've got you're um cheating on me with the latino alt rock guys today um but the, the a few of the questions are um let's let's pull these up uh who's still on the market as a this from Matt Pravatsky as a rotation quality 10 who can at least compete for the starting spot do you have any do you have any ideas of of people we could bring in I don't know what Terry Ship doing <laughs> yeah right i mean there there are guys like uh, uh Mauro Diaz who who might be available um I think the position is so important 
I don't like the idea of a rotation quality number 10. There are formations in soccer that do not require that central attacking playmaker. If you don't have a guy for the role, don't play and with that, you know, in a, in a formation that requires that role. Sure, That's but we can't I play with Ibsen in a four four two. We absolutely will get overrun yeah. in, the mid, in the midfield. That's partially Maybe not. That's why, so. that's why that three-man back line. Yeah. So, um, uh, um, at Looney Trumpeter MN says, could we see Toy move as part of a package to New England Revolution uh, with Bai and Wynn coming back? Everyone really wants Brandon Bai nope. to come to Minnesota. Uh, yes, he played a season with Minneapolis City. Guys, we were never going to get Brandon Bai. He was never, but anyway, sorry to ruin everyone's day. Nope. Sorry, that okay. could happen. I don't think. Um, and I don't think uh, I don't think Toy would be part. If we get win, it's going to just be a money deal. I, I, I think if, if that happens. But um, uh, Brett at Brett Algren uh, says, which of today's five acquisitions, or include Heath, Mears, and Pango, uh, are are going to see the most meaningful minutes? You already said that you think Carter Manley is going to be there. Um, I think that who will see the most minutes will will be one of the fullbacks. It, you know, I I I don't not sure if I want to see it, but I think that it'll be Mears or Manley of that of that group. Okay. Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, do any of the drafted players have the potential to start in MLS without us needing to panic? You're saying Manley no, might get minutes? Not immediately. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not in not in week one, but I absolutely think that Olmsberg has a very good shot of playing minutes over the summer. Yeah. And potentially winning a spot. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Matt Axelson says, "Did Minnesota's draft picks provide enough value in depth to uh, damn you say for saying that word value to allow for the club to now sign more experienced starters? Do we have do we have the depth we didn't have last year? Uh, we have the depth we didn't have yesterday." Um, I, I, I saw I, you know, I saw someone for for example I saw someone respond to Bruce McGuire was was being very negative on uh, on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> I, I saw someone respond to him and say, um, "Look, if if we look at who we improved over, Lampson is better than Alex uh, than uh, he's better than um, Pat McLean. Pat McLean, um, you know, uh, Carter Manley's better than Jome, um, uh, you know." Toy is better than Brandon Allen, um, and then so, yeah. So and Olmsberg is better that, than uh, maybe Jermaine Taylor. Listen, I think that I think that Bruce's comments. I would like to disagree with them, but I think he's kind of right until proven wrong. Right? I mean, like all I, the only thing I know about these guys is what I saw at the combine. I didn't watch them in college, and I have no idea how they're going to transition to the pro game. The MLS draft is increasingly sort of not producing the talent, you know, producing the talent that it used to, and that's because the league has gotten better. So, uh, you know, I think that Bruce's comment was maybe be a little bit too negative, but he's not wrong. I mean, these guys still have a lot to prove. So, yeah, I, I, do we have the depth that we didn't have? It, the real answer is I don't know. You know, check back in a month when we've seen – uh, you know, a, a decent amount of preseason. Yeah. Um, Carl Bates asks, would you straight swap uh, my, uh, Boxel for uh, Axel Solberg? So Schoberg from, uh, um, yeah, of course. Schoberg was, uh, he was, uh, he was an MLS best 11. Yeah. He had a bad year last year, but 
the Rapids had a bad year. Oh, they had one in Colorado. Yeah, um, right. Soberg is uh, rumored to be on the shopping block. So yes, I, I would I would take that. And Colorado's coaches in New Zealand are. Yeah, I, if if that conversation wasn't had, I would be disappointed. Um, so uh, Colin Wicker asks, uh, does our front off? Uh, why does our front office seem pretty savvy at the draft, but fairly mediocre at other areas of player acquisition? Limited budget. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Samuel West says, how many players needed to be signed uh, to meet the minute league minimum eighteen players? Well, we. Oh, he's yeah. To 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 be in our traveling squad, he's talking about us us not traveling uh, with all eighteen, uh, everyone able to play um, like last year. I think last year when we didn't uh, travel with eighteen players, or we're, when we didn't have people in the eighteen squad, it was because of injuries, and we didn't travel with like twenty players or nineteen players, which sometimes you do. Um, that that I don't know if that's I don't know if it's fair to to fully say it's being cheap, but. That's part of it. Um, so uh, l- let's see. Um, if he had been available, this is from Steve Nelson. If he had been available at uh, the seventh pick, would Minnesota United have taken Chris Mueller? I know a lot of Wisconsin people wanted him to be taken. Um, in my heart, I was hoping that we sign a quality number 10, at least by the summer. Uh, tell me that's realistic. Do you think Chris Mueller was ever someone, were we going to sign a 10 like Chris Mueller? I have no idea. I think that Mueller is going to be a really interesting player to watch in MLS because I think he is—he could be really cool to watch, or he could just totally flame out. I really like the risks he took. Yeah. Um, as he, are we going to? You know, I don't think we were going to sign a number ten in this draft. Um, I guess we had the opportunity to take Bacaro and we didn't. Traded away the pick. So yeah. I think that tells you what we thought. Yeah. Um, Alex at Hovda uh, says uh, he wants to hear your speculations on the Cameroonian. I don't think we have any. He, uh, who, who knows what's we'll going to happen there. Um, I did not ask anyone from the team about that. So I know that makes me a bad journalist, but I just didn't do it. They wouldn't have said anything interesting. So last question from the Spruce Tree Syndicate, which is a, a, a new... Uh, not real supporters group that uh, came about because I made fun of uh, how bad the spruce tree building is in St. Paul. Uh, where do we send these picks to develop? Uh, do we need to send them away? I could see, well, I mean, I think that uh, our loan of Joe Greenspan to Pittsburgh was, was pretty successful last year. Um, we sent Alex Cap there as well. I think that I think that there's a decent potential that Olmsberg gets sent on loan like that, maybe to Pittsburgh, um, because we're going to be looking at the summer in which we have one our, our starting left fullback is as a pardon me our starting left center back uh, is at the World Cup. So if we are, I think that would be very smart to prepare Olmsberg to potentially take that spot. Yeah. And I think that a loan to USL might be, you know, it's up to the coaching staff, but that might be the perfect move. All right. Well, that's uh, that's all that that we have time for. Uh, thanks, Alex. Thank you for periscoping and and uh, covering everything. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, thank you, listeners. Uh, and um, uh, you know, we'll uh, see you next week. 